0: Here's another thing, Evan, okay, I'm going off a little bit, but you could say, well, that cloud's better than that cloud. It looks prettier, but how did you know it looked prettier? Only because in reference to the cloud that looked ugly. Now, if you're making a movie, is every character, is every person as beautiful as the next? No, but sometimes the antagonist, the ugliness of the antagonist reflects the beauty of the protagonist or vice versa. And so you don't look at things as good or bad or worse or better. You look at them as they play a part. Mm -hmm. We all play a part and in your art, you're playing a part. So play your part and play it as wholeheartedly as you possibly can and take the pressure off yourself. Just play the part. This is Way of the Artist, with
1: Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles, so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Welcome back, everybody. It's that time. Well, I mean, if this is your first time, then welcome for the first time. But if you are a regular listener, then welcome back, I suppose would be the obvious, logical statement to make. <laughs> these intros... I don't know, man. I don't know about these intros that I'm doing these days. That's alright. Uh, hope everyone's doing great out there. <laughs> this don't judge is, yourself. Don't this judge. is actually like the, the most perfect intro for what this <laughs> for what this is. What actually matters in your approach? as I stumble through the approach to this one. Sometimes you just gotta get to it. Um yeah, we had a, a fairly a fairly sizable chat uh heading into this one. Like we we had a, a fair a fair idea of what we were going to be getting into, but in terms of how to really get this into a a tight, nice little wrapped package. For this one, uh, you know, this is what we came up with. What actually matters in your approach? Um, I think that we're going to get into some cool territory with this one. And uh, Brandon,
0: what do you have to say just to start things off with? We did have a big talk and we got into a lot of it. I feel like we kind of knew what we were going to get into pretty early, but it was about working it out a little bit for ourselves and digging into it. And I think I would say that if you're blocked or you're having a challenge or you're trying to get something in your life and you don't know why it isn't working, or maybe you're just trying to improve yourself in your craft as like an actor, writer, painter, musician, whatever it might be. It's, it's an interesting thing that we stumbled across because sometimes what's holding us back from getting that, place that we want to go to, or, or moving to that level, or just getting through something, which actually might be very easy, has a lot to do with perspective, and it has a lot to do with what we put value on. And if you're putting value on the wrong thing or something that's actually causing the problem, or your perspective is actually looking at it like it's a problem when it's not, and all you had to do was see it differently or actually see that the value was actually different then you would solve it with such simplicity and such ease. And it's easy to say that from an, uh, like an outsider point of view, looking at something, but when you're in it, it can be hard to do that. And that's kind of, I think what we're trying to get at in this conversation is how do we actually look at what actually matters or alter a perspective or do what's necessary to make what seems like a challenging thing into actually something that's actually quite easy. The challenge is, is changing the way you look at it and changing what you value or, or building a new relationship to that
1: yeah yeah and in many ways i honestly think that so much of this this podcast itself so much of what we are doing and we're what we're always searching for is perspectives you know i think that that's a huge part of what the show is is you know we're taking the artist's philosophy or perspective towards life how do we come up with with creative uh perspectives that that help us to you know, move through life, to move with life, to, you know, create, uh, to, to live our lives with a greater sense of passion and, and peacefulness and ease. So actually tackling this subject, because, you know, that's something that what we're talking about today is something that I feel is in operation in the background of, of what all of our episodes are, are kind of about, um, and what we're doing in all of them, but to actually look at this, directly and say okay well you know what actually matters in your approach and and um how can we find some uh perspectives around the subject of how we're approaching things that that give us that hopefully give us some sense of of clarity and maybe even a little bit of wisdom who knows uh you know, that's what we're, what we're shooting for. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna take a kick at it (laughs) nonetheless.
0: Yeah. And I think that it's important that you come in with an open mind because you might be looking at things in what seems like a very logical linear way, but the artist's perspective helps you to see that sometimes the direct path is actually the, the worst path and an indirect path, uh, something that almost seems to go off directness or seem off path is actually the best path. And I, a good example I could, I could, um, give you of this is let's say that you wanted to get to a top of a mountain, but you also had to carry a big load with you, like a big backpack or maybe some heavy stuff. Well, climbing up the mountain you know, if it's a big rock face, you could climb directly up the mountain, but that might be really hard and you, you, it might be really dangerous and it might be really difficult and you might run into constant problems and then just get stuck. But a new approach might be to walk around the mountain. And although that makes you not feel like you're getting up the mountain by, by zigzagging or walking around it, approaching it from a different side or a different angle is exactly what solves the problem. And so, um, when we look at our values, you might say, well, the goal here is to get to the top of the mountain. So I want to get to the top of the mountain as fastly and directly as possible, but that doesn't actually matter whether you get up there directly or quickly. What matters is that you get up there. And also why are you trying to get to the top of this mountain? Because for, for, for your initial, uh, approach, you might be looking at it going like, well, I want to get to the top of the mountain so I can see the view. And that might be actually a thing that drives you. But then as you get down the, the road or down the path of getting you know, up this mountain, it might be more about something else like experiencing the climb or figuring out how to solve it or um, who you'll be by the time you get to the top. And This initial thing that you wanted actually becomes actually quite superficial. It just becomes a bonus. And I think that's an important factor in all of this is like, sometimes why we start an endeavor, the reason for it is not as sustainable as the reasons we discover along the way, and we realize are more sustaining and more important and actually help us approach problems in a much better and more effective way.
1: Yes. (laughs) yes uh and you've for me touched upon i mean for me what seems to be the 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 place to to get into this subject pretty quickly is uh the the why you know you 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 brought that up like the the why is really to me at the center of what we're talking about with approach because very often i mean in my own experience and and just from what i've uh, I've seen and, and learned is that so often uh, when I'm in a state of confusion around what I'm doing or what step to take next or how to go about doing something, your approach, right? All that stuff plus more is part of how you approach any given uh, task or pursuit or, or any creative thing. How do you approach you know, even whether you actually ask yourself that question specifically or not, that question is is present in some way. It's always present with you in some way. And what actually matters in your approach is is your why well, why are you doing this thing in the first place? right? Like what is the thing that's that's actually driving you and the the bigger your why is, you know, and the more connected you are to that why, which, you know, it will probably shift and evolve and, and, and there will be ways in which you get more and more and more clarity around it, but it's something that why is something that, uh, has to compel you in a, and excite you in, in some way, uh, and and has to be which we've talked about in the past it has to be something that's bigger than you you know it has to be something bigger than you like and bigger than you in the sense that one way of looking at it is that it's that that why is something that you may not see it fulfilled in your lifetime you may not see this thing that you are trying to build create um, manifest into the world it's probably something that you won't really live to see it that's the size that that um, that we're talking about here Uh, and maybe you don't quite have that size of it but you I think that you've got to push it as far as you can you can go that that something that gives you a sense of connection and purpose, um, in the world and to the world, uh, on, on such a big scale. And for me, that's where approach begins and ends, because if you don't have that sense of connection, you're going to have a hard time figuring out how to approach anything. But so often I've found that when I've had the, uh, when I've had the mindfulness and the awareness to actually ask myself the, the, that question of, okay, well, we'll just remember what you're doing this all for what all of the work that you're doing, what it's all about. And once I, I can connect with that thing and I remember what that thing is and, and, and connect with it, not just in an intellectual level, but on a, an emotional kind of level, it's surprising and, and and amazing how how easily the the approach presents itself, right? I, I almost always find that there's something that becomes clear as just like, oh, okay, this is the next step to take right now. Sometimes I don't always know what the next three steps are or four or five, but I will usually find figure out what the next step is for me right there. Just simply through connecting to that, what's actually important, you know, what actually, what what actually matters for me, right? And that's, um, again, that that's something that for each person, you have to know for yourself. Nobody can tell you what that thing is. You know, you can have people who can certainly help you and assist you, but they can't, they can't tell you what that is. And that, that's something that every person has to figure out for themselves. But once you start to build that connection, it, it shifts the perspective on how you approach anything.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think something that's kind of coming up for me is, uh, this whole challenge of when we're going about something like the narcissist part of a goal, you know, and, and that's, um, the self-serving part of a goal, which I think is, um, I think is very relevant and I don't think it should be ignored. I think it's a very important element of the whole process, but I also think it's like a very, uh, limited perspective when you only consider it because your life is not just about you and how you feel. And I think when people try to guide their life simply by they want to feel good, I think they lack a lot of purpose and they lack a lot of drive and a lot of follow through. And I'm sure that there's people in our audience who can relate to this, where it's like, like, if you just want to feel good, there's lots of easy ways and immediate ways to feel good. And if that's all you're going for, um, you're going to have short-term motivations down pretty solid, but long-term motivations are not going to work too well for you because most long-term motivations and drives, um, require some form of sacrifice, which means that You have to temporarily put off your feeling good to, uh, build or create something that might feel good later. And sometimes it's not just about feeling good in the sense that you feel like literally feel good. It's actually about a sense of like, I'm good. I'm valuable. And something I learned when I was younger was that contribution is one of the key elements to sustainable, long-term, bigger dream goals. And so what I used to tell myself when I was younger was everybody I encounter is gonna be better off for knowing me and everything, I I used to say myself every day, everything I touch turns to gold, not because I get the gold, but because just because I'm involved with it, it's gonna turn to gold. It's gonna turn to something valuable. And a lot of the people who were in like uh, the, the, the TV series and and shows that I did, a lot of them moved on, like a lot of those actors moved on and became, you know, uh, big in their careers, they became leads on shows, you know, and granted, you could say that they were destined for that already because they were already going to pursue that in their life. But, um, whether I contributed to that or not, it gave me a sense that I was and that sense that I was contributing to building something good in the world gave me a lot of drive and motivation that helped me. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear the sirens going off everywhere, <laughs> but uh, crazy times, crazy times. Anyway, um, the 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 um, sense that I was building something good in the world, the sense that I was contributing to people's lives, made me feel a certain amount of value, and so. Putting off something that temporarily felt good felt good to do, if it meant that I was actually building something good in the world. So, this is the kind of thing is like your approach to doing stuff. If it's all narcissism, if it's all self-serving, if it's all just about feeling good, um, and and getting that temporary feeling, you might find that your approach is limited and your options are limited. Whereas um, if you look at it as like I want to feel like I'm a value, like I'm contributing, like I'm part of the team. whether there's an organized team or not, um, it just gives you a new way of doing things. And weirdly, you get you get uh, benefits in the in in turn because when people find out or experience you helping them, they tend to want to help you. And then all of a sudden a problem that was very difficult to do alone is not so hard because someone else actually helped you do it. And then, or maybe even multiple people helped you do it. Let me give you an example, Evan, because I think examples are always good. Uh, we were dealing with the union when I was trying to get this show made and, um, the union was like, well, you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to pay people this, and you're going to have to do this. And we were like a little independent little thing and we didn't have uh financing yet and. I had all these actors and people who were involved who just wanted to get this show made. And I remember going like, yeah, like the union's trying to get us to do all this stuff and we just don't have the budget and it's going to kill the show and it's going to shut everything down. And a bunch of the actors got together and we had a meeting and they said, well, we're going to go into the union and we're going to tell them, like, we're doing this and we want to do this. So you just just wave it, you know? And they literally fought the battle with me. And um, it was not about like, because my approach was genuine about trying to get a show made. That was pretty hard to make, especially with a lot of actors and trying to use the union and trying to use actors that were in the union, because these were talented actors who just wanted to do a good show. They weren't doing it to try and get paid. They're doing it because they really believed in the show and they wanted to do it. Um, having people go to bat for you can help you take on something that's really big and feels a lot bigger than you. Um, and when you have your team fighting with you, you can accomplish great things. And we did, we overcame it. We came up with a solution and the the union worked with us and they realized that these actors were, they were at the point where they were like, I had some actors saying like, I'll give up my credits for now and I'll just get them back so that we can do this show. Like, so the union felt threatened and they went, well, shit, these guys want to do this. And granted, here's the thing. The union is not the enemy. The union is trying to protect the actors from shady producers and people who are trying to take advantage of them, right? So they're doing their part. So in some ways, like the actors had to be um, committed to trying to work around it. And this was also at a time when web series and things like that were very new and people didn't know how to work with them and they were a new medium. So um, it was like, uh, you know, it was like a new territory. And they were trying to use old models to, um, accomplish goals for new media. And it just doesn't work. And since we did that show, a lot of things have changed around new media and web series and things like that, as far as the union goes. But, um, my point is, is that the approach, um, when it's more than just you, you actually end up giving yourself a lot of options and there's no problem in you benefiting from it. Like, you don't have to be like, this is, this is something that I get nothing out of because I did get something. I would get my show made, but like, um, also everyone else gets something out of it. And it's like, I used to say this in the podcast a lot. You want that win, win, win strategy, not win, win, lose, or win, lose, win, or lose, win, win. Nobody loses. You want to try to look at it in terms of how does everybody win and, um, you know, and no one gets taken advantage of and everybody benefits from this. And when you try to approach things that way, you begin to see that people collaborate, they work together and problems that like, usually you have a problem and I'm talking a lot, I get it. But like, usually people have a problem with something because they think someone's going to lose or they think they're going to lose. So if you can cut that out of the equation, a lot of the time the problem's solved right there, if that helps to make sense, but the approach requires you going beyond yourself a little bit.
1: Yeah. 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 And, uh, I think you're, you're hitting on something that's, that's really important in this conversation is, um, sometimes this, this really strong, um, I don't know necessarily exactly how to put this, but this focus on yourself, um, is typically where this, this becomes a really big issue where the approach becomes, uh, or how you approach something becomes very stressful, can become full of anxiety and confusion is usually because there's too much focus on yourself, you know, like I've got a thing, I've got like a, a little chalkboard in my office where I write down just like little, little sort of reminders for myself. And one of the most powerful ones that I have that, that I look at, you know, as, uh, as, as often as I can is be nothing, be nothing. That's something that I, I can't tell you how many times that has gotten me unstuck in, in getting started on something, getting movement going on something, doing, taking a, a, a piece of action on something, because that, the, that idea of be nothing is just like, okay, what happens if you remove yourself from the equation a little bit? What happens if, if you're not trying to, to be anything, be anyone, get any particular thing out of this, what happens then? Hmm. Uh, and suddenly it's just there for me, there's, there's, there's suddenly there's room for me to go. A pathway opens up. I know something that I can, some simple action that I can, I can take and I get the ball rolling, you know, cause what, for me, that's, that's usually 80% of the battle for me, (laughs) you know, with, with anything is getting the ball rolling. Once I got the ball rolling, I'm fine. Like I, I'm, I can just get into a flow state and I can just get, get to work, but it's getting myself to that, to that point. Right. And one of the biggest barriers for me is always this thing of like, of having to tell myself, be nothing, like just Mm. Just take your, remove yourself as much from the equation. Um, you know, one other way of, um, thing that I've, I found really helpful and I think pertinent to this conversation is you ask yourself, what is, what is for the good of all beings? Kind of like the, your, what you were saying with like it, win, 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 right? It's a win for everybody. Um, not where it's compromised for somebody, but like when you, um, when you ask yourself, what, what is the, what decision, what action that I can do now would is, is good for all beings involved with, for all parties involved. Um, and i say it doesn't even have to just be with people either, right? Like there's, there's other things that fit into the equation, such as like the environment, right? Like the, 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 natural world is, is another thing that we have a, a responsibility for as well. Right. Um, I'm sure there's more things that I just can't think of at, at the moment, but you know, there's asking yourself, what's the good for, for, for everybody, uh, is often another way of getting yourself, you unstuck from that thing. And again, you know, this all still ties back into where we started this conversation out, which is, you know, it's about having something bigger than you and these are all little ways and little question questions little things to um, say to yourself or remind yourself of that just do a little something to help you step a little bit outside of yourself to open up your perspective a little bit more it's like okay yeah this isn't all about me and when it's not all about you like just there's a weight that 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 comes off there's You know, it's suddenly not so heavy and so serious or, or whatever. At least that's how I experience it, right? There's not, there's not so much weight to what I'm doing. And once that weight has been lifted, uh, there's options. There's almost always options that, that begin to present themselves. Um, and sometimes it's also, I already knew the action to take but now it's just that I'm free to take the action. I like, cause there's not so much on that action for me anymore because I'm not so important yeah. <laughs> in a, yeah. in a strange way, you know, it's like in, it's like in getting out of your own way by making yourself less important, you actually make yourself, um, you actually put yourself in the best position to succeed. Which is interesting but you've got to put almost you've like you've got to put that whole success idea out of your head
0: yeah you do it's also important because when you make what you're doing too much about yourself it becomes about am i good enough and am i qualified and then you know you might have imposter syndrome and all of this other stuff and like at the end of the day like none of that really matters. There's, um, there's a saying, right? It's like the 20, 40, 60 rule. When you're 20, you think, uh, everybody's thinking about you. And when you're 40, um, you realize that people are thinking about themselves. And then when you're 60, you realize that nobody was thinking about you. at all. <laughs> you might as well have just done whatever you were going to do. Um, and the thing is, is like, uh, or something like that, it's, I probably butchered yeah. it, but it's basically yeah. <laughs> the same idea, right? But the idea is that like, part of the problem for a lot of young people is they think that the world is because high school and, and like our early years are so much about finding ourselves and it's about fitting in and finding your group and identity, I think for a lot of young people seems to mean a lot. And. We want to be included and we want, like, we don't know what normal is because normal is based on your parents and your siblings and stuff like that. And so you go into the world and then you start to feel like, okay, well, this is what's normal for them. And if you went into like theater or drama, you know, they're, uh, in my experience, at least were very like goofy and outgoing and silly. But like, if you went into sports, which I, I also went into, um, they were very like, rigid, almost, um, especially like high level sports, it was very much about performance and it was very much about, um, uh, it it was just like fitness. It was different. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. in each group, um, you know, there are very different groups, both groups that I kind of found myself in at certain points. Um, you try to match and meet the group that you are associating with. And in those initial stages, learning the ins and outs of the group and learning how they function is a large part of how you figure out your identity. But once you kind of figure out how to play their game, and it really is just a game, no one really cares anymore. Because as long as you're kind of falling in line, doing what you need to do, and you know you show up in a predictable way, or you know how to show up in a predictable way, then no one really notices because really you're doing what you're supposed to do. And we're very, um, we're very machine, like that way, people like, uh, when we get what we expect, we don't think about it. And actually that helps us do life because if we had to think about everything, if everything acted strangely or weird or different, we would have to notice it and we would have to deal with it. But when things work in a predictable manner, we don't have to think about it. We can think about other things. And I think what you find when you move into your, like, um, into your twenties and into your thirties and and beyond is the world has a certain amount of predictability to it. You have a certain amount of understanding about it. And what I found is everything's just a game. Just if you play the game, the way that everybody expects it to be played, no one will notice you, you can be totally invisible in the world, but when you do something different, when you um, step out of line, people will notice. And a lot of people have a difficult time with this because they, they don't like, they don't like to be noticed. And yet when artists do stuff, we kind of do stuff to stand out and to be noticed because it, it it usually advances our career, but at the same time, it's not easy because it's like, it's not normal. It's not natural. It's not predictable. So, Um, if you think too much of yourself, my point is, is that you'll have a difficult time stepping out of line, because you think that it matters. But if you look at it in terms of like, oh, look at this, like, I'm doing something that's getting people to notice, as opposed to like, I'm being weird, I'm being different, I'm not fitting in. But if you look at it, like, they're noticing it because it's different. You be, you begin to play the game. It's like, look, I, I can get people, I could walk down the street and I could get people to notice me in a fucking <laughs> instant. I guarantee you. I just, I know how to act weird. I know how to act differently. I don't always like doing it, but here's the thing. I know how to make people look and I can get everybody's attention in a second easily. And I can wake them right out of their little slumber. Do I do it all the time? No, because I'm just trying to do my day. But this is part of the artist approach, right? If you want to get attention, you can, but it means stepping out of line and also not taking it so personally and making yourself so involved when you do, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, uh, your approach might be limited by the fact that you just feel like you don't want to be different and you keep trying to fit in, but if you keep trying to fit in yet, you want to do something that you, that requires you stand out. How are you going to succeed at that? You know what I'm saying? Like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I want to mention too, as well, like, you know, for the artist, you know, again, like coming, coming back to what's really important. And certainly there are many people who get into the arts to get success, you know, and, you know, yes, you've got to put out your work to succeed. But like, if we get down to, but what is art actually all about? You know, like, what is the function of art? Why do we create art at all? Um, and you know, it's always about communication, right? It's about trying to communicate something, a message that can, that can only, um, come through for some reason in these, in these forms of different forms of expression. Uh, and we create art forms out of them, right? But it art comes out of the need for some kind of communication. um. Which is ultimately, again, like if you start creating art for the success, you know, you might su- you you might succeed at getting success, but you know that's there's a whole there's a whole world that you then have to deal with, right? And uh, I would argue that you start moving away from actually creating something that is art. Now, art is something that is subjective, of course, but. Um, I hope I'm not getting too much in the weeds here, but I would, I would caution that if you're doing arts for the success. You're not really creating art,
0: right? Yeah.
1: You know, so people might disagree. They might see what you're doing and say that's art. Uh, but if that's, what's in your mind is, is succeeding and notoriety and all that stuff. I don't know if what you're doing is, is art anymore you know, you're creating, you're, you're creating something cool. You're creating something, um, that's maybe technically quite beautiful and, and, uh, excellent and things like that. But art emerges from something else entirely. I think art is, is, uh, a deeper something that is informing the thing that you're doing. Right. And it's that need to communicate something deep with inside of you. Right. And if that's not, if that's not present, I don't think that what you're doing is art. Um, so just in terms of like the, the whole thing of, of success and, and, art. Um, and I wanted to take a, another step if, if you, or unless you wanted to say something to that, Brandon.
0: Well, I, no, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think I, I agree with you and I think that, um, I, I don't think that if you are doing it for success, that you're exempt from doing art, but I do think that it's, it's, it's a very surface stage of your purpose you know, in, in in finding your creative self. And I think that you'll find more fulfillment if you go a few more layers down um, in your approach to what you're after. And you might actually find that you're actually more of an artist than you realize. You just haven't given yourself credit for it. But I, I tend to mm-hmm. agree with your, your statement because um, I think, uh, I don't want to take too long because I want you to go on to your next point, but let me just say this. When I was younger, a lot of my primary goal, at least initially was to succeed and to be successful and to get famous and to do all that stuff. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, but when I started to find a deeper connection to why I actually wanted to do stuff, much more fulfilling, much better results, um, and much more, uh, creative outcomes. And I, I find that actually, um, going deeper and, and, and excavating something that's a little more, um, like I don't know, a little, like, it's more like, like the success is covering something else. So if you go a level under that, you're going to find something cool. And if you go a level under that, you'll find something else cool. And, you know, and that doesn't always come easy and it's not always obvious, but that's where your art is. And I think that you'll actually find that you get success by going deeper in a weird mm-hmm. way. It, you know? It, yeah. It, Cause it's it it not
1: about, it's not about being, I've got nothing against success. Right. I just am exercising some caution around that being the main thing. Right. To, it's like, I must succeed is a tremendous weight to carry. Uh, And uh, it makes me think of, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but um, uh, Krishnamurti, one of my favorite quotes from him is something like, we all want to be famous people. The problem is, is that when we want to become famous, we are no longer free. Mm. um yeah you know you can just (laughs) let's just sit for a second in that one (laughs) um and he's absolutely right um but uh to to go into the next thing which is related to all of this um you're you're talking about sports and and things like that and in terms of success and and what that ends up doing to us creatively and our ability to just act out of a out of a genuine real place within ourselves um that creates that actually gives us that sense of real fulfillment and and of um of purpose in the world and that sort of thing but um you know there's a for people who don't watch hockey (laughs) there's a there's a an expression that that's been around for i don't know probably forever in in the game of hockey but we often say of like a player, particularly a really great player who's not, who's kind of slumping. Uh, we'll say it's like they're gripping the stick too tight.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> they're gripping the stick too stick too tight and, or holding the stick too tight. And it's, you know, not really meant as a literal, oh, they're, they're holding the stick too tight. It's, it's, we're speaking about their frame of mind. They're, they're too hung up on, you know, trying to get that goal that's going to bust them out of their slump or or do whatever it is to get them out of their, you know, their, the rut that they're in. Um, they become too fixated on succeeding, on scoring the goal, on whatever, and it does nothing to help them. They're gripping the, s- the stick too tight. <laughs> they're not relaxed enough. They're not loose enough um, to let sort of their natural talents emerge they're thinking too hard is basically what it's what what it's saying right um and there's a beautiful little wisdom to that and i think that that's a lot of what uh you know in in terms of adding another element to what we're saying here is you when you become so fixated on uh the things that that don't matter on and and you lose that sense of of why you're really doing what you're doing, why that means something to you, like really being connected to the, to the meaning of, of what you're doing. Um, You know, when you're, when you're not connected to that, you're, you're gripping the stick too tight, you know, you're creating too much tension in your, in your mind and your body, and you don't, you don't know what to do. You don't know the right action because you're second guessing yourself all the time, right? Do I shoot? do I wait? do I pass or do I shoot or do I you know like you're you become um you know you're you're in you get you can get yourself stuck into this bind right just this internal bind and you're and you're just frying the circuits in your brain of indecision and when you can take the attention off of yourself in what you're doing that indecision and that cloudiness, that, that confusion just seems to dissipate a little bit. And it's, it's, I mean, I think that that's fascinating. You know, that's something just to like, I don't know if it's for this episode, for this podcast, but that's something interesting to explore on its own. Like, why is that? Why is that? And it's what I teach actors as well in my classes. You know, it's one of the main things that I, that we get to work on right away. Take the attention off of yourself. You know, and and giving giving actors a way of actually doing that. How do how do you how can we take the attention off of yourself, put it onto your partner, put it onto the person who's right in front of you as completely and fully as you possibly can, and the amazing thing that that happens is that is that the work comes to life. Mm-hmm. Their work completely comes to life and is fascinating and interesting to watch by not thinking about what you're doing. You know, um, there's a great excerpt from, uh, I'm going to, I know I've been talking quite a bit, I'm going to turn it over to you, but there's, um, all right, this fantastic, uh, there's this fantastic line from, uh, Zen in the art of archery by Eugene Harrigel. Eugene Harigel. It's a, it's kind of an, a classic, um, piece, but there's this, there's this, Part where, and it's a true story, where this you know this German uh, professor move, professor of philosophy um, moved to Japan because he was fascinated with Zen and uh, ended up taking years of learning Zen archery with a master, and at one point, the master's just trying to teach him how to just release the arrow. you know when is the right moment to release the arrow <laughs> and the the sort of crazy mind fuck that 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 was in and of itself but he said this thing to him he says you think that what you do not do yourself does not happen
0: okay you gotta explain
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i don't know how well like there's more to like there was more context to be added to it but that's the where he he sort of arrives to you think that what you do not do yourself does not happen Mm. And it's this, as I understand it, as I understand it, which is probably fairly naive and, 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 and I probably don't know all of the the subtleties to it, but there's this, there's this message of there's all of this mental egotistical baggage, all the stuff that we've been talking about of like doing this right. I've got to like, When do i release the arrow how do i release this arrow and all that stuff where he's really this master was trying to teach him there's a different place in which you learn to just shoot the arrow where there's no sense of yourself there's just there's not there's no and this is very uh traditional of uh eastern uh philosophies and traditions where um they talk about the illusion of of the separation between subject and object. That so in this case, there's this. What he's speaking about is there's this illusion of there is the archer and the bow and the arrow and the target that there the that these things are not separate things that it's all one thing. Mm. There's um I think that at one point the master says to him cause he's confused and he about what he means. And he just says it shoots like there's no, you shoot at the target. There's just, it shoots. It's one thing. Right. And, and once you remove all of this baggage of, of all of this separation, Mm -hmm. you can now finally really do it. And in many ways I teach this in, in my acting class, which is just like, like, So, so much of the time actors are so, uh, they get themselves in such a conniption and and so much stress and energy is spent in, well, if I don't really feel like I am doing this performance and really giving this emotion right now and really doing all of these things, if I don't feel myself doing it, if I don't have some sensation of in my head that I am doing these things, we have a weird distrust about it. Like it's not happening, (laughs) but it is happening. And that's kind of one of the weird things that like you start to take the attention off of yourself, put it onto something and, and things happen. And in an incredible way, in a very powerful way, but how we get there is,
0: uh, an interesting struggle. (laughs) It is an interesting story. You bring up a great point. The, the oneness of the connection of it all I mean, it's like, uh, you know, have you been breathing? Well, yeah, I've been breathing. Have you thought about it? Did you notice you were? Did you feel you were breathing? It's like, mm. well, no, but you were. And so, so art, so breathing is as natural as just living and doing life. And like, I think with art, it's like, you know, when you really disconnect yourself from the whole procedure of it you begin to see that you're always doing it. I mean, it's, you're, you're always acting. You're always telling a story. You're always making music. You're always painting art. Everything is always happening always. And you go, well, well, wait a minute. Like, how how do I know that that's happening? It's like, well, it's everything is. I mean, the way you moved your hand was an artistic stroke. And yet you don't even care. You don't even notice it. It's just Mm so seamless that it doesn't matter. And this is, I think, one of the, the, the main things that, you know, we need to recognize in like our oneness with the whole uh, situation here is that you breathe as naturally as you create art, your, you, your whole life is a masterpiece and you don't even see it because you just are in it doing it. And you, you, think that the way you do life is somehow, you know, stepping out, like you're already in it. You're already arting. (laughs) (laughs) It's already happening.
1: Hey, it's Evan with a quick public service announcement. If you're enjoying the conversation you're hearing and finding it helpful, then please help us and take a second to subscribe to the podcast. And we can all be people helping other people. And that's awesome. Now back to the show.
0: I do these, uh, I do these exercises and these processes when I do storytelling with people, and I I take them through kind of my blueprint course. But I'll ask little questions like, "Well, what's a story? What's an idea?" You know, and and you'd be amazed, man, when you really stop and think about that. What is a story? And you go, "I know what a story is," but like, no, seriously, stop and think about it. What is a story? Tell me what it is. What does it feel like? What is what? It how do you know it? You know, like if we go into it, you you start to realize. Well, you do story as naturally as you breathe, and yet you you don't even know what it is. It's like it, and it, and it's like. When we try to do art a lot of the time, we try to think that, oh, I need to know what the art is. You don't have to know what the art is to do the art. Mm-hmm. You, you literally just have to like do, and through doing, you will uncover it. And when you mm-hmm. remove yourself from the equation, um, you begin to see that the art happens in spite of you. You know, and like, uh, uh, here's a weird example, but maybe this will help people to understand it. Did you know that if you take a tree and you flip it upside down, it almost looks identical to your lungs? And why is that interesting? Because a lung takes in oxygen and collects it, whereas a tree gives off oxygen and expresses it. Everything is fractal. Everything is the same thing represented in the opposite happening all the time. And it's as natural. A tree is as natural as your lungs. And yet, you know, to see the artistic relationship to that is just perspective. Flip the tree upside down, look at a pair of lungs. If I invert the colors, you might think they're lungs. And in fact if i invert the color of the lungs they might look like a tree it's really all the same thing and what i think is so fascinating about the whole thing is that when you recognize that you're in it you don't have to grip the stick so hard so to speak you don't have to try so hard it's already happening you're already nature you're already in the thing so then You know, the line that you're saying as an actor just becomes say the line, you know, the paint stroke that you paint as the, the way you move your hand just becomes the paint stroke that you make, you know, the, the sound that is the right sound for that moment in the music just becomes the sound that is of that moment. And then all of a sudden, all the pressure's off of you and you just art, you know, Mm -hmm. as you breathe and you don't realize that your whole life is a masterpiece. And if you just embraced it, you might go, wow, like what a magical thing I'm already in, you know? And uh, then, well, where's the ego coming? And he goes, well, my art isn't as good as someone else. Well, you don't know that. You don't know. You just don't know. Cause you're maybe you're trying too hard to make your art something other than what it is. And maybe you just need to let it be and let it, let it, come through you, you know? And I really do think that, um, we are more of a conduit. Like we are a a transistor of energy, you know? So when you're doing your art, you just look at it as like, I'm just channeling it through me. That's all that's Mm -hmm. happening. And all I have to do is, is, is position myself in a way which can, you know, move this energy through, and you, and if you looked at it like light was the last thing I'll say on this, but if you looked at it like light, white light coming through something refracts into a rainbow and based on the way it hits that thing, based on the way it refracts creates a different color set and a different dynamic, you're the same way. And in some ways you just embrace the way that you refract the light. And you go, this is just how it comes out of me and through me. And it's as natural as anything. And uh, I think through doing that, people appreciate it because like, do you ever look at a cloud and you're like, well, that cloud's wrong. (laughs) Cloud is exactly what the cloud is. You know, it's just, it is what it is. It's like, you know, but we, I mean, you know, we get into weird, weird things of separation, you know, it's like, I mean, here's another thing, Evan. Okay, I'm going off a little bit, but you could say, well, that cloud's better than that cloud. It looks prettier. But how did you know it looked prettier? Only because in reference to the cloud that looked ugly. Now, if you're making a movie, is every character, is every person as beautiful as the next? No. But sometimes the antagonist, the ugliness of the antagonist reflects the beauty of the protagonist or vice versa. And so you don't look at things as good or bad or worse or better. You look at them as they play a part. Mm -hmm. We all play a part. And in your art, you're playing a part. So play your part and play it as wholeheartedly as you possibly can and take the pressure off yourself. Just play the part, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 I think that, you know, like to, to play around with, um, something like the you know, like the master, the master artist, you know, it's like the master artist is, is too busy in the engagement of the thing, you know, of, of being involved with their relationship to the work, um, and expressing it as best they can with whatever, you know, whatever ability and skill that they have to do it. That's, that's what the master artist is doing. They don't have the time or the energy to think about, about the thing being a success or what people will think about it, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of energy. Um, and it's nothing that 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 you have control over anyhow, right um, In many ways, art is something that you know is looked is reflected on, you know because there's a process that happens, and at some point you say that you're done. <laughs> And then looking back on it, you, you know, usually someone else will say whether it's art or not. And for the master artists, they don't really care because they're already engaged with their next thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think the master artist also dies to everything that they've done, um, so that they can engage with whatever the next thing is. They're, you know, masters of, of the present. Um, what's, what's, what's the present thing of excitement for them continually. Oh, like always renewing itself. Um, and like, it's
0: like, do you remember the breath you did 30 seconds ago? It was perfect. It was perfect. You did it exactly right. Can you recreate it? It's like, yeah, you don't even like it's, it's done. It's over. You did it, you know, and you don't even think about it. And like, I think that's the part that we're, we're trying to get at, you know, I think it took us years to learn this stuff for both of us. You know, it's like, cause there's this, I can, no, control, I'm still learning I can, it. <laughs> I can make it, you know, and I still run into this problem every now and then. Right. And man, I go for, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but man, I go for walks and I, I think, and I just kind of remind myself, I'm like, wait a minute, this is the breath that I'm taking. Like, this is so perfect. And yet I'm going, I need to get here. I need to do this. I need to figure this out. It's like, you're actually doing it. Just continue doing what you're doing. You're doing it so well. Cause you're, you're, it's not like you're avoiding it. It's not like you're, you're actually. And the fact that you have that thought is just admirable. So let go. You don't need to grip the stick so hard. You know, if you use mm-hmm. that expression, you just play the game and going for this walk and having this thought is as natural in, in, in for someone in your position, trying to do what you're doing. This is as natural as it would naturally be for anybody who was in your position, who lived your life, who had been to this point in your experience would be probably doing exactly what you're doing right now. And if you just accept that you can move on and we can go on to your next moment and your next and your next, and you will find That if you continue to carry on, you'll play the game, and you'll you'll find yourself in the next place you need to be.
1: Yeah.
0: And you'll and you'll
1: you'll know what to do. Yeah. As as long as you continue to live in that way, which you know is it's funny because it it means not it means letting go and surrendering uh, a lot of our habitual ways of, of looking at things and approaching things, um, which is so, uh, which is so result oriented for the most part in, in, you know, our modern day society is we're so focused on, on these things of success and, and, and achievement and, and all of these things. And, and they actually just create confusion.
0: Exactly what I was thinking hundred percent they just create confusion
1: and we don't and that's why we don't know what step to take that's how we lose our sense of how to approach something you know uh, but when we learn to just okay try to like just loosen your hands off the stick a little bit it feels strange like what if it falls out of my hands or whatever it's like no it's not going to fall out of your hands it's not going to fall out of your hands just loosen up a little bit just just relax a little bit around there and and suddenly there's clarity there's room to move we were talking a little while back um you know it was like an acting lesson that christopher walken gave somebody on set you know if you don't know what to do don't do anything right relax take a breath you know don't force anything to happen right now just take a moment and the next thing will present itself when you're paying attention when you when you let go and again in acting it's like the main thing is is don't do anything and listen just listen pay attention to what the other actors around you are doing what are they saying mm-hmm. how are they how are they tr- how are they treating you you know how are they treating each other right and suddenly it's like you know what's happening over there. Suddenly, you know how to to behave. Suddenly, you know how to act. You know, and Alan Rickman he did a great talk on the same kind of thing. You know, he's like, he's like, what I do is is completely contingent upon what what the other actors are doing. I don't know what I'm. He's like, for him, he said, uh, you know, rehearsing how you're going to perform a scene by yourself in your bedroom is an absolute farce. You know, that was his, his actual words is it's a farce. It's completely, it's a, it's a completely stupid exercise to to put yourself through. Yeah. Right. Um. And again, it's he's, he's put so much pressure. And I've been there as an actor where it's like, Oh, I have all of these ideas of how I'm going to perform this scene that I think that I think are going to be so incredible. And almost always it was shit, you know, or like most of it didn't work out. And and when it did work out, it was because the attention, the attention was off of myself. And I was in response to what my partner was doing and to what was happening, what was actually happening in, in, in every moment. And, and it's weird cause it feels like you're not doing anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The going back to that whole thing, you think that what you do not do yourself does
0: not happen. Right. But yeah, there, there I, it is. get that a lot more. It's like, if I don't consciously do it, it didn't happen. And it's like, no, you don't have to consciously do everything. You yeah. don't, in fact, most of what you do, you're not going to be aware that you even did. So to try and control yeah. it, um, and acting is so great for that because it's so immediate that you just get your results like so, like just right away, you know? Yeah. And it's like, Actors, uh, you know, we all struggled with this and, and every actor struggles with it to some degree, unless you had like, just really good guidance. And, you know, maybe there's an exceptions. I'm sure there is probably the chance of that. But for most actors, there's a certain amount of like, I can control this. I can, I can get this right. I can I can do this. And it's like, oh, oh yes, go try, you know, go try to control all the little nuances of being a human being and see how that works out for you. And you'll find out that, you know, you may be controlled seven and there was a thousand at play, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and you didn't see the other, you know, the other bunch that were totally autonomously, just like automatically subconsciously at play happening without you realizing it. Um, And yeah, and then I think what happens is is the master actor, but I guess it's like a master artist, is you just begin to let go of those seven things you were trying to control. And maybe you get down to six and five. And then finally, you're just like, okay, let's just, you know. But I also think, Evan, I have to say this, and maybe you disagree, but let me present this idea. Mastering your craft, like really learning your craft and really understanding it is part of what lets you let go of your control, and I say this mm-hmm. because I did play hockey and I played soccer and I played some pretty high division sports, and we used to call people who would come for tryouts for our team. This is kind of mean, but it it actually is a very accurate statement. Um, they would call people tryhards, and the reason why they would be called tryhards. I remember the first time I heard it, and I was like, "What the fuck is a tryhard?" And I began to understand that a tryhard was somebody who didn't really have the skill. So they were trying so hard to show they did. Whereas when someone did come on the team, I remember we had this one guy came on the team and he was so talented, but he wasn't trying to show us. He was talented. He just was, he had Mm. worked, he had practiced, he had built his skill so that when he got the ball or when he was away from the ball, he just knew that he could trust on his skill and his craft and whatever. And I, I, I want to, I want to kind of put that point forward that just because we're saying like you are as naturally an artist as like you are alive, it doesn't mean that you neglect craft and you don't learn yeah. how these things work. I mean, you, you still need to learn. You still need to educate yourself. It's just you learn them and then you kind of forget them and trust that they're there. Once you've learned them. Would you agree with that? Do you think that's, I, no,
1: I, I do. I do agree with okay. that. Um, yeah. you know, and, and continuing to work and grow in your craft is but it's all in service right that's that's the whole thing sometimes is that very often we uh in the arts people in all art forms um people can lose sight and they think that the 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 technique of it and and the craft of it is the thing and it's not the thing it's 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 in service to the thing right it's always in service to the thing but it's it's gr- developing that is i think essential um and you know you develop it to a place where you know for, for a lot of athletes we'll talk about it's like they don't they've they've worked on these things to a point where it's like they don't have to think about it anymore yes right like they it's it's they know how to position themselves they know how to you know rotate the stick when they're letting the shot go like there's just they're, they're you're not thinking about it anymore you've you've developed yourself to and and you've worked on your crafts so, so you can get to that point because it because and you do that because it gets in the way otherwise
0: yes yes that's exactly it it gets in the way and you know something i used to have a lot of pressure on myself when i was younger i actually um my my parents, um, put me into soccer. They actually put me in pretty late. And, uh, I think this story might help relate to what we're talking about. Um, well, actually they didn't even put me into soccer. The, what happened was, um, my friend said, uh, I slept over at his place and he said, Hey, do you, I got a soccer game tomorrow. And I was like nine or 10 years old. And he was like, do you want to come to the game and just watch? And so I was like, sure. So I came to the game just to watch and. The other team didn't have enough players. (laughs) So they put me on the other team and I ended up playing really well. I scored like three goals against their team, which was the best team in the league. They still won, but I scored a bunch of goals against them and no one else on the team that I was playing for scored against them. So they were like, after the game, they were like, do you want to play for our team? (laughs) So that's how I started playing soccer. I started playing for the team. uh, And like, I didn't know how to play soccer. All I did was, I, I guess I had a certain athletic ability. So whatever, right? just good luck, good fortune, whatever. But I started playing for this team and I started to quickly learn that I didn't know how to kick a ball properly. Like it's amazing that I even scored any goals. Cause like, I didn't even know how to kick a ball properly. I didn't yeah. know how to pass properly. I didn't know where to be. Um, and I played for this team for probably three quarters of a season. And then the next year, um, and I think this is relevant. My mom, uh, I I had to leave that team. There was like a a age change in our province and everything. And I had to leave that team and I had to go to a new team. So I couldn't play for that team anymore um, because I I was on the cut of the age that had to move. And so I went to this other team and my mom, I guess she must've saw an ad in the paper. And so she brought me up to this team. She didn't know they were like the best team in the province. (laughs) And like for my age group, she just, saw that they had tryouts. And she's like, I'll send them to this. (laughs) I played for a pretty good team before that. Don't get me wrong, but I'm only like not even a year into soccer. And my parents have no knowledge of soccer, like zero. I never learned anything from Mm -hmm. them. Um, And I remember they put me on the wing um, and I didn't know where to be. So I watched the kid on the other side of the field and I would just try and stay in line with him (laughs) because I figured If I was close enough, like in line with him, I was probably in a decent position and that's how, and I ended up making this team by (laughs) miracle. And then I rode the bench for most of the year because they realized, shit, we brought this guy, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing, but I learned a lot. Here's the thing. Um, I used to think that because I started late, I had to have some innate natural ability and I had to, I had to be able to do stuff that other people had years to learn. And so it really, um, it, it was a blessing and a curse at the same time. I had the blessing of being on a great team with great coaching and great drills and great practical education. But I also had this belief that I had to catch up and that I was always behind and I wasn't enough. And when I look back at that, if I was my own mentor, I would tell myself, look, You are playing catch up. These kids have had years to learn the lessons that you are trying to learn within a year or months. So, um, give yourself a little bit of grace and understand that you're learning and lessons and making mistakes that they made years ago. And these mistakes you're making are just a lack of experience and a lack of craft essentially with playing the game that you're trying to play. And, um, you know, and just look at it as an opportunity to learn quickly in a way that they didn't get to learn quickly, because you're playing with people that are already great at this and you're learning from them by watching them and being around them. And just because you're not at their level yet, doesn't mean that you won't be, you know, and I I would say that to a lot of actors, because, you know, when I started acting, I was uh, 17, 18 years old but there's a lot of actors that had been there since they were six years old. And then you think I got to be as good as these people. And it's like, they've been learning. They've been in class. They've had parents nurturing them, teaching them since like for for like a decade or more before you even got started with this. So as much natural ability that you might have coming into this, you're still playing catch up. And, and I, I would say that to every artist, like, look, You might be starting in your art late, but give yourself a little bit of grace, you know, like understand that mistakes you made don't make, don't mean anything against you. They're a natural part of the progression of learning. And it's just a part of the game of doing this and don't beat yourself up for it. I think that's a really important element to bring in.
1: Yeah. And honestly, like there is something to be said for uh you know beginner's mind and yes you know because look there's sometimes there's people who they've been involved with something for a long time and and that's that definitely gives a certain kind of uh there's a benefit to that and an advantage to that but it's not it's not the end all be all either because sometimes people are just kind of going through the motions you know, yeah. like sometimes yeah. athletes go to a certain way and they're just doing it because they've always done it or they like the social aspects of it. Their heart's not really in it, you know, and they move, ultimately move on to something else. You come into something with passion and a sense of a real sense of care about learning how to do something. You're so open and receptive and you just soak things up yes, like a sponge. And, and really good it's, point. it's amazing how much growth you can, you can have in a short period of time. You know when you when you have that that passion that you're bringing to it, you know, and that willingness and that and and coming in with a genuine humility, you know, uh, to towards what you're doing, man, you can make huge strides. You can make huge strides. You know, there was um to go back to like a a hockey thing. One of uh, the most beloved players in uh, the Vancouver Canucks franchise history was um, uh, Trevor Linden. Well, there of course Lyndon, but um, but uh, Burroughs. Uh, oh yes. Um, yeah. Oh my God! Why am I forgetting his first name? Wasn't was it Alex Burroughs? No, I think it might have been. Anyway, go oh, on, go surprised. on. But anyway, Burrows. Um,
0: yeah, I think it was. But anyway, go on.
1: And, I mean, he was a guy who, like, uh, to my not to to how I remember, was never drafted. He was a never a drafted player. He was playing fucking ball hockey. Like in a ball hockey league, like in like, you know, like wearing like roller skates, right? Like he was doing it, but he was so passionate about the game and he worked his way into ice hockey. And I've consistently heard people who have like played with him, you know, and he became a really great player in the league, you know, like wouldn't put him as a premier player, but he was, he was a really good player. For, for a number of years, I think he's coaching now and he's coaching because so many people said, it's like you, it's like talking to him. He is one of the smartest hockey minds that, that a lot of people have ever met. Like, and this is coming from pro players. They're like, it's unreal how, how, how savvy he is about the game and playing the game, knowing where to be at certain times, knowing like just, just his, his hockey IQ, his IQ around the game was so incredible because he was so passionate about the game that he pulled himself out of a came, went through, got to hockey through a very non-traditional route, but he did it and he made a mark, you know? And, and as I said, he's, he's one of the most like beloved players in the history of the franchise. Yeah. You know, so um, there's, there's, there's more to it. It's, it's, and as I can't, I never remember who, who, said this one, but it's never too late to be who you might have been. Mm. Right? That's a great one. So it is, um, it is. Brandon. Yes. Should we uh should we talk about, about beers and wrap this one up? We've uh we're we're well past the one hour mark uh at
0: this stage of the game.
1: I um, we've covered do it. a Let's lot of beers.
0: Um before if you don't mind, just before we get into the beer, I just wanted to share a quick story because it did it it was a seed seedling of an idea that, um, there's a couple seedlings of ideas that came in just to lead into this conversation. I, I kind of wanted to make sure I said them before we moved on from this one, by all means, by all means. Uh, one was a video that I saw this week and, um, a guy on a bicycle or a mountain bike was coming along a dirt trail and he came up to a bridge with like, um, kind of like bars. Right, So it was built out of bars, but the bars were like parallel to the path and his bike tire was probably about as wide as the gap between the bars. So when he approached it, he got off his bike and he was like walking his bike across this path or across this bridge. And it was a pretty short bridge, but you know, he didn't want to like do a header over it. Right. And then another biker came by and went across it diagonally and just whipped across diagonally and just passed them. And I thought, you know, this is such an interesting moment because it's like the way you're approaching your challenge is sometimes the very problem. Like, and so this guy looked at it in a very linear, straightforward way. And he, he did the safe, sturdy approach, which slowed him down and made him have to stop and change momentum. Whereas the other guy looked at it as, um, you know, if you come across this diagonally that you could just there's no need to even stop your momentum. And yeah. I I, I want to kind of share that with people because I think like sometimes, um, we approach problems from a very linear mindset and I know I do this and I'm guilty of it as much as the, the next person. Um, but like our education systems and things like that, for the most part, they're helpful. But the problem is, is that sometimes we only learn things in a very linear way of how to approach things. Like mm-hmm. to give an example and a parallel to that, how this might relate, you might've learned that hard work gets success. And a lot of the time that's true, but sometimes hard work is actually the thing that actually stops you from being able to solve a problem. So just keep that in mind and look at it in terms of like, maybe working harder. Isn't what solves this problem. For example, mm-hmm. um, the other thing I wanted to share was uh, one other thing was I, I watched a, a little video and this guy was saying, if I gave you, if you knew, okay, if I gave you a million dollars tomorrow, how would you wake up in the morning and how would your day go? Like, I'm just going to give you a million dollars. How would that go for you? And he's like, would anybody be able to disrupt your day? Like, how would you feel? You know, and it's like, no, no one would be able. That'd be great, right? Okay, great. So let's say I gave you a million dollars tomorrow. Maybe even I gave you $10 million tomorrow, but you weren't able to get out of bed. You couldn't even move. Would you get that money? Would you do it? Would you take the money? to not even be able to move anymore. It's like, no, it's like, yeah, because the, at the end of the day, being able to move is more important than this million dollars. And I think this kind of comes back to our second point is that we have values that are seemingly important because we take for granted things that we don't realize are extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. And something that I've been trying to reiterate through the podcast, through all of these episodes we do is, if I could get our audience to hear one thing, it would be this, you are the value. You are more valuable than anything out there in the world that you think you want or need. And definitely more power, more more important and more valuable than any money or anything or any. like, And when we begin, if we could grasp that, we would realize that these things we were after, they may be very important and they may motivate us and they may drive us, they may stress us out. But if you can always remember, it's like, Hey, I was able to get up this morning and move around or do whatever it is that you like, look at the value that you have already. And when you begin to appreciate that, you solve a lot of the stress of the problems you're dealing with, which is a very, very important part of this conversation because your approach doesn't need to be so stressful you know? Um, cause if you come at a place of, from gratitude and appreciation and Hey, like, look, at least I got this. It's not at least it's like, Hey, I got this, which is way more important than that. Now that I got this, let's talk about getting that, but without this, that isn't worth anything. And if you can grasp that, you've, you've, you've won a huge battle in your spiritual and personal journey in life. And as an artist, in my opinion, so mm. I wanted to share those because they were very big uh yeah. elements yeah. for me no yeah.
1: and i'm i'm glad that you did because uh particularly the um the one about uh the, the little thought experiment of if i gave you a, a million dollars and and like okay well what if i gave you 10 million dollars and you weren't able to move anymore right would you would you take it and and no and, and it's just one of those you know it's kind of a it's a it's in some ways it's kind of a crude example of this but it still does illustrate a very important point is that there we have within us a sense of what is actually important you know and and bringing talking about it and and i like that the this sort of thought experiment does include money because i think that we have an uh, an unhealthy um uh preoccupation with with money in our in our culture in our society uh and and that there are things that we do we we do f- fully understand that are m- far more important than that but we don't really necessarily act that way in our day-to-day lives what what do we actually spend most of our time doing what do we actually spend most of our time day-to-day thinking about right um and to really be like is that actually really what matters mm-hmm. to us and uh you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not knocking on money. Mon- money has its has its purposes, and it definitely yeah. helps calm the nerves some <laughs> in certain ways. But you know, it's not really. It, it's pretty empty, and that's what I like about the story is that it it shows how how fundamentally empty it actually is. Um, so, yeah, where where are we putting our attention? and like where are we actually putting our attention and and how are we actually leading our lives what is actually the thing that is that is leading us Mm -hmm. right what actually matters and is the thing that actually matters the thing that is informing our decisions that is informing uh the choices that we're making so Mm -hmm. no i'm glad that you brought that back up because it did kind of kick off when you shared that, um, before we started recording it, it was for me, one of the things that kicked off this, this subject. So excellent. Excellent.
0: Cool. All right. Well here, I'll share my beer first. Okay. I, th- I think I've had this, uh, I think I've had this before, but I haven't it again. Um, it's uh carte blanche is the, is the beer name. It's a Belgian white IPA it's by Hoyne brewing company. Um, yeah. It's a nice beer. It's a, it's a good beer. Um, it's, uh, you know, for buying it for one beer, it's a more expensive beer, honestly, but I think it's kind of because it's like the quality is, is very good. It's a very solid beer. Um, yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. Like I don't find it too hoppy. Um, I do like Belgian white. I like, I don't mind that it's an IPA, It's a good little brew. I probably recommended it before. I'll recommend it again. It's been good for this conversation. So that's what I got for you.
1: I've got a beer that has really surprised me. I've never had this one. I don't know if we've ever had it on the show, but um, this one is from Bridge Brewing Company in North North Vancouver. haven't had anything from them in a long time, but I've always had something good from them. And this one is called Chalet All Day. <laughs> and it's a horchata blonde ale. So it's a really light beer. I mean, it's 5%, but it's a light beer in terms of like its profile. But like, I took a sip of this thing and I was just like, whoa, like it's light, it's fresh, but there's something, there's something going on in it. And there's actually a lot going on in it. So I actually want to read out what it says. On the can, uh, get your apres started early and keep it going. Cinnamon, vanilla, lactose, and a touch of fresh coffee beans come together for a beer reminiscent of a classic horchata. Wow! So it's got like, because like I was like, what is going on? And it honestly threw me because I, I would not have anticipated some of those flavors in a, such a light beer. I should, probably should have put it together when reading horchata, but yeah, totally. Like it's this light beer and it's just got these light notes of coffee and cinnamon and vanilla, but like, just, just like a, a, a touch of it. And it's fan freaking tastic. <laughs> I am, I am so enjoying this beer and, uh, I will definitely, I will definitely drink this one again. So very cool, man. Yeah, Very cool. horchata. <laughs> the horchata blonde ale.
0: What oh, a sh- fun tradition! What a fun tradition we've had with all these conversations to continue to have a nice beer every every one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap this one up. I, I'll I'll go first. I don't know what I'm going to say here, but I'll go first. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. No. I think that I hope that we've 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 said a few things because really a lot of this was about how are we perceiving like our approach about how we approach things, how we're looking at things because so often that is, that's really the thing that's stopping us, you know, And, and that's something that's of great interest to us. And we hope that it's of great interest to you It's like, what, what is the, what is the shit that's getting in the way of, of us, you know, taking action on something, moving forward with things, you know, like it's not, always easy if we can understand this stuff a little bit better. Um, if we can remove some of the the confusion and the and the stuff that's surrounding, you know, the stuff that's really stands in the way between us and and pursuing the life and and doing the things in the life that we were really passionate about. Like that's that's something worthwhile doing. And, you know, I, I for the most part, it's always ourselves right? It's always ourselves that are the biggest, we're our own biggest enemy, as they say, <laughs> as has been around for a long time. We're our worst enemies. Um, and and I think that I'm just going to come back to this thing of like, removing ourselves as much from the equation as possible, I think is such an essential uh, ingredient to to being able to move forward and take action. Like having really take time to connect with what do you really care about? And there's lots of people who, who take, I'll, I'll mention, you know, Simon Sinek in this one, cause he's a guy I really like, who's, who's really big on some of these messages of really connecting to your why. And I think he offers a lot of stuff in terms of some ways in which you can connect with that, you know, start developing that relationship and, and coming into close contact with it because that once you get into contact with that and and get into contact um with you know really the 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 thing that you want to do in the world that's bigger than yourself it it creates it it opens the pathways for you it it opens the options up it it creates um that freedom and i think it creates creativity because it's not it's not about it's not about short-term gains right like you're you're doing you're participating in something much larger which means that uh i think that it just opens up more avenues when you're approaching your life in this way and again when you're doing that it's taking the attention off of yourself when you're focused on something that's bigger than who you are you know be nobody be nobody and go ahead and 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 just do this thing, and and I think that uh, I think that it's just in my own experience this has always been helpful and I and I'm always trying I'm constantly having to remind myself of this of just like remove yourself from this equation a bit more remove yourself a bit more from this equation right and just do it mm. just do it like the the master artist does. Right. Like um, you know, it shoots. You know, they're just like y- you will be amazed at what you can do when you stop being so focused on what you're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's such a good way to that's such a good way to put it. It's like if you yeah, if you don't if you don't worry so much about what you're you know, if you don't worry so much about what you're doing, you, you you can do some just really truthfully incredible stuff by, you know, letting yourself like, let you let yourself be, I, I think that's, you know, something that's coming up for me is like, you know, it's like, like be nothing, be nobody. Like, you don't know, is, is, is like, to me, when I hear that, it's like, it's not that you need to like, look at yourself, like you're not important. Because you're very important. You're very, like, what I would say is that, and I'm speaking to every single person listening, is like what you don't see yet is that you are an integral part of the nature that is happening right now. You don't see it yet because you think you need to be more than what you are. But you're 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 absolutely perfectly in the place that you're supposed to be right now, and I know that that's so hard to accept. I totally get it because, like, look, I'm with you. I'm struggling with it myself on a regular basis, but in the in the heart of hearts, I know that your your journey is actually has you exactly where you're supposed to be on it. And if you could if you could embrace that, it's it's like it, without trying to game the system you begin to see that like your acceptance and authenticity of not trying to be anything other than what you are is actually what makes you so beautiful and unique and um it's you know it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing because we are constantly pressured for comparisons and we're compressed we're, we're pressured for like trying to do something or be something and whatever but um look i, w- I want to just say this I, I think we've said a lot we've, we've dropped a lot on you today to like walk away <laughs> and think of and look i'm just gonna say today i appreciate you i just appreciate you guys being here listening to us and and the fact that you're showing up and you're listening to this conversation and you're trying to understand it and you're trying to work it out and you're trying to feel like that is fucking incredible. Good for you. And I think you should walk away, pat yourself on the back and be proud of that. Cause like you're, you're really trying to figure something out and that's fucking beautiful. It's so beautiful. And if you could own that and like, yeah, like, look, I, I listen to this podcast. I tried to, you know, I listened to it regularly, or I just listened to this one episode, or I even listened to just one part of it. And I really tried to work this out for myself. What a beautiful thing you're doing is for humanity, for yourself, for everything. And if it helped you to get an inkling closer, I'm just proud of you. Cause I, I really like, I, I I've been reminding myself on a regular basis that my showing up for myself, my just working through it and trying to, you know, it's a life building thing and it's bringing goodness. I know not only to my own life, but to other people, because I am trying to let myself like live a life of purpose and, and to see my fit in the world as a very necessary, important part of the process. And like, God, I can tell you guys, like I have gone through hell and I have come back out of it. And I know I've shared this a lot on the podcast, but I'll tell you in my visit to the darkest days, to the, to the valley of the shadow of death, that I can tell you that when you come out of it, which if you're in it, you will come out of it. If you just keep showing up, you're going to see that that gave you such depth of humanity and such a profound understanding of yourself. It was so important and so necessary. And like, I see myself in each and every one of you and I'm with you and I'm with you today, as much as I was then as much as I will be, and, and, and and we are in this together and I just. When I think about this, like, I wanna try to help you approach your life in a way where you see the value of who you are and you see this beauty and we're all doing it together. And you're so necessary. You just, you might not see it yet, but I see it for you. And if you need to listen to this again, listen to it again. And that's that's really what I gotta say, because I think when you accept that, when you get that, your approach is gonna be a lot easier on a lot of things. And part of the challenge is just that you don't, you might not see it yet, You might not fully agree with me yet, but you'll get there. Keep showing up, keep doing it. You know, it doesn't need to be this podcast. It doesn't matter. That's not the point, but keep showing up how you need to show up for you. And you're going to get there and we're going to get there. And that's, what's important.
1: Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.